Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctor as he travels the vortex and arrived at episode number 423. And good evening. I'm Rich Field. And I'm Wedgwood. Now then, you appear to find yourselves at a loose end. Have you considered rebranding? You know, I think we really should. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are we going to rebrand ourselves, guys? <laughs> I don't know. Let's leave it up to <laughs> we'll Richmond let, and Wedgwood. We'll let Richmond take care of it. <laughs> he seems to be the brains. <laughs> Anybody else picture Penn and Teller? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I can see that. They were a bit, you know, any of those two acts, Laurel and Hardy, Penn and Teller. Yeah. Abbott and Costello. Yeah. Did you guys have a good week? I did. It was all off. <laughs> did you do a lot? Uh, just got the, <clears throat> did get the living room painted. Other than that. You did get your living room painted? I did get my living room painted. That's good. Was this a two-week staycation or just... Just one. I went back on Monday, yesterday. So he was heading into it last week. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I forget where we record now. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I had just started last week. It's not Sunday, John. Weeks are hard. <laughs> oh, I wish I could have two weeks off. I went back Monday and was like, oh, I could use another week. <laughs> we watched uh, Ralph breaks the internet. And what did you think? I didn't like it as much as the first one. It was okay. It just wasn't as funny. I don't think. It had some nice gags, like with. It was more visual, oh, look at that type thing, as opposed to actual humor, aside from, you know, all the Disney stuff. That was pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) Especially all the princesses and all that. But I think it's a worthy successor, just not as good as the first. It's still... We also went to a local production of In the Heights. Thank you, Sean, for the tickets. You're welcome. It was really good. They did a really good job. How about you, Sean? What'd you do? I saw Captain Marvel. Yay! So we can talk now. (laughs) Did you like it? I did. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. Um, you know, not for, you know, any... There's a bunch of haters out there going, Oh, it's this, it's like, I didn't see any of that. I, I thought it was a fun movie, and I thought it was very enjoyable. And uh, it just... It kind of hit in the mid-range of the Marvel Universe. You know, it was... It did exactly what I thought it was going to set out to do, and I was happy with that, so... I watched... Um a documentary called Perfect Bid, the contestant that knew too much. It's about a guy named uh, Theodore Slauson, and he was a contestant on Price is Right that went many times, and he was a math teacher, so he developed a spreadsheet to determine what the common prices were for prizes, which in itself is not illegal or wrong or against their rules. Um, But he went... 28 times I think actually I think he went fewer than that before he ended up on as a contestant it's really interesting it's 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 amazing he even wrote a program a Price is Right program for his computer that he would play that had all the different games in it and based on this spreadsheet would load in randomly the prizes and then he would wow. get them correct or wrong you know it's some things and he said <clears throat> it's only about an hour long so interesting yep alright what do we got in the news well, Big Finish has announced uh, the next set of early adventures, which is going to feature a companion that once was lost. Kater- oh, she wasn't lost. Uh, she was she was killed. killed. Katarina is coming back. That'll be interesting. This time played by Ajaz Aj- 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 Awad. I'm 
sure I butchered that. <laughs> Not only is Katarina coming back, this box set featuring a story called Daughter of the Gods will f- have the first Doctor and the second Doctor meeting on a mission to alter the course of time forever. So it will star Fraser Hines as the second Doctor and Jamie, Wendy Padbury as Zoe, Peter Purvis as Stephen Taylor, and then the new actress playing Katarina. All in one story. doesn't say who's playing the first Doctor. That was going to be my next question. (laughs) I think it'll likely be... uh, Stephen. Um, oh yeah, it will be Peter Purvis. Peter Purvis, yeah. yeah, because he has performed the doctor. In fact, he he was the first doctor, voice of the first doctor, in Light at the End. So, oh okay, yeah. So that's something really exciting to look forward to. And he does a pretty passable first doctor, I think. He does. So. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, or, you know, replacing uh, Adrian Hill or Adriana is it Adrian or Adrian? Adrian, I think is. In uh, anyway. She passed in 97 or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... You really don't have much of a choice. Right, and I think it's okay in that, that, that situation. Somebody else was saying, well, then, when will they bring back... Uh, who was the person? Was this, does this open the door to bring back somebody else? I can't remember who it was, but they're still alive. And I thought, well, I don't think that opens the door. <laughs> I think the first first dib should go on the actor or actress that played a uh, character on the show. Right. And then if they pass, like Matthew Waterhouse did at one time, then then you bring somebody else in as a replacement. But uh, with I think actors are pass. I think it's kind of it's it's fair game. So this box set will also have the second Doctor encountering the Master. Mm-hmm. For the first time. Dodo was the one that they were speculating. Oh, well, does that make sense? He's already hit the master. Well, she... she the, the, <laughs> no, he hasn't. Yeah, back has. to what I was saying, it probably does open the door because I think she has turned Big Finish down many times. Mm-hmm. So, But the master being played by the actor who was in the first Doctor story that featured the master. Ah, well, that'll be cool. So a nice little bit of continued continuity yep, there. Absolutely. The first incarnation of the master will be based off of this. <laughs> According to that. According to Big Finish. Is it still the first incarnation? As far as I'm aware. Well, just because, I mean, the the, the joke that, uh, you know, the doctor's throwing regenerations away. He's burning through them so quickly. But then the master was on 13th and final by the time the doctor was in his fourth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? But I guess, you know, the company you keep. <laughs> You hang out with the Axons and the Daleks. Not and the to mention, it's going yeah, to master happen. and the Doctor because they're both traveling away from Gallifrey doesn't necessarily mean they're encountering each other in the same in the time right stream, order. In the right yeah, order. Yeah, it could be a River Song situation. So. Yeah. Well, very cool. Exciting to see that come. Yeah. What else do we have? Candy Jar Books have announced the Havoc Files: The Laughing Gnome. So a new limited edition short anthology or anthology of short stories. Set within the Laughing Gnome series. Yay. So, lots of older Brig and older Anne traveling in time and a bunch of other short stories. Fun stuff. Yeah. Featuring stories by John Peel, Sarah Gronwegen, Harry Drapper, and uh, Sean Collins. <laughs> as well as Australian author George Ivanoff. 
Who's a Sean Collins? Guy? I don't know. That name sounds really familiar. There's some heavy hitters in that lineup, except for that one guy. Before for Big Finish, I can't. I, I can't remember for certain. I think so. A couple written, things. I've written many things for Big Finish, but none of them have come, come to Candy be. Jar. Candy jar. Did I say Big Finish? Boy, I am all over <laughs> the place on this. I, for for yeah, Asia. Yeah, have you had nah, your medication, old man? No, apparently not. <laughs> Candy jar. <laughs> Looking forward to that book. All right. Well, shall we move on to feedback? Our feedback this week comes from Jameson. Jamie writes, episode 73 to 78. Hello, Vortexers. Episode 73, The Politics of Garage Sales in Topeka. I understand that the episode is about rogues and renegades. Does this make Glenn a renegade? <laughs> no more of a rogue. <laughs> <laughs> Getting aside, I think Gallifrey has produced some wonderful renegades, namely the Doctor. I'm interested to see if Chibnall does anything with Gallifrey now that we know it survived the Time War and is back in the primary universe. The question of which renegade would you like to see to return to TV was asked at one point during the episode. I think I'd like to see the return of the Monk, or the Ronnie, or maybe even the Eleven from the Doom Coalition and the Ravenous box sets, especially since we know that Gallifrey survived. Another thought, now that you have so much more who under your belts, would be to have a Rassilon-focused episode. The episode of Rassilon. Finally, the topic of TARDIS keys. If you look back over the series, you'll find many interesting things. First, the Eighth, Doctor, the eighth Doctor's Key looks like the spade icon on a deck of cards as opposed to an ordinary Yale lock key of the Third and Tenth Doctors. The Tenth and Eleventh can open their TARDIS with a snap of their fingers. The War Doctor can summon his with a sonic. And the Invasion of Time had multitude of keys. You guys mentioned the Master entering the Doctor's TARDIS and vice versa. I think that it's whatever the story needs without a specific continuity. Exactly. Yeah. Moving on to episode 74, Dalek War. Both stories are good. Frontier in Space is a political thriller, while Planet is a standard Terry Nation Dalek story. I enjoyed them, although the ending of Frontier is a bit abrupt and slightly confusing, and there's an overuse of Catch and Escape to pad out the runtime. Still, good stories that are worth the watch, and you guys covered just about everything in your discussion. So, Genocide Machine. Of the first four big finished Dalek stories, two are great, and two are just okay. I've recently re-listened to this one, so it's semi-fresh in my mind, and you all make good points. My review of this goes into more detail, but suffice to say, Bev is an okay character, but sounds too much like Ace. The Dalek voices sound off compared to later releases. Elgin is exceedingly annoying, although I suspect that's on purpose, and the Doctor and Ace, while not terrible, aren't quite at top form. Of the first four Dalek stories, I much prefer Apocalypse Element of my, as my favorite of this set, with Time of the Daleks coming in second. Episode 75, and your first novel reviews. Of the three, I've only read Only Human. I remember enjoying it, and do remember the prologue being weird and confusing. I've also found the new series adventures fast reach, much faster than the past Doctor or Eighth Doctor novels. Your review of Crooked World sounds like an interesting novel. I've read some of the BBC Eighth Doctor novels, but never got that far. Fitz appears in one of the four stories in Big Finish's The Company of Friends, Main Range 123, if you need a voice in your head. The story of Martha is one that I've never been drawn to. Nothing against it. There's just been other titles that have interested me more, and it sounds like I'm not missing much. No, don't, don't, don't bother. Don't bother at all. You are not missing much. Moving on to episode 76. I've never played the Eternity Clock. I don't think it's available anymore. I also don't think it ever got a sequel. Was the ending ever resolved? No, it was not. The Keys of Marinus. I enjoyed it. The Vord have returned in Big Finish. I'm not sure they translate well to audio. As for Sean's dislike of the story, has he seen it in order yet? I have not. 
Also, you've got to remember this was very early days for the show, and they were still very much finding their footing. The one thing about this story it was a bit surprised you didn't comment on was the trapper-like guy and Barbara in the snow region. I've heard others wonder if there's an implied rape in there. It's been a long time since I've seen this, so I'm not sure. Your thoughts? There's definitely implied attempted rape. Yeah, I think I thought we talked about that, but maybe I had read that outside of that as well, and that I was kind of cross-morphing it. But yeah, it certainly seems like an attempted rape. Yeah, I've gone back and revisited the story in general and thought that while watching it in my second viewing. It's um, uh, honestly that's another reason why I don't like it, um, because it, it's very much let's take Barbara, who is a strong female character, and then put her into a situation where she suddenly doesn't have much agency just for the sake of putting her in peril. And I, I'm not a big fan of that. So, um, finally for this episode, Phantasmagoria. I was a little surprised to find a unanimous low opinion of this story. As I actually don't mind the episode. Have any of you guys re-listened to this one at all? Not yet. Not yet. Not in a rush to. (laughs) (laughs) It's not necessarily in my top set of all-time favorites, but in re-listening to it recently, it's not as bad as I remember. It's rather atmospheric, and the sci-fi elements blend well with the historical, in my opinion. Episode 77, The City of Death. I highly enjoy this story. Yes, it's probably overhyped, but the humor is great, the performances are great, and even the special effects are well done. If you like Douglas Adams, chances are you'll enjoy this. If you aren't a fan of Adams' humor, well, you may not enjoy it as much and wonder why everyone raves about it. I think that everyone seems to be enjoying themselves here. Tom Baker really seems to be enjoying himself and getting the material because he's in top form. It's just about perfect who. The problem is that recommending this to a new fan has the potential to make most of the other classic stories disappointments. Finally, episode 78, The Android Invasion. I enjoyed it. Not one of my favorites, but I enjoyed it. Crawford is played by Milton Johns, a.k.a. Bennick in Enemy of the World, and Castle and Kellner in The Invasion of Time. I wish he'd been in more Doctor Who. He just oozes slime, which makes him perfect for minor villains and lackeys. The Torchwood stuff just isn't my cup of tea, despite liking Captain Jack. Plus, there's too much other Doctor Who stuff to get through without even bother trying Torchwood right now. Other comments. i got a question for you about the next Doctor. No, I don't foresee Jodie leaving right away, and I don't want her to leave yet. This is not asking for you to think who will replace her. My question is, when Jodie retires, do you think we'll get another female doctor or go back to a male or change race or whatever? No idea. Yeah, it's hard telling. The answer is whatever the showrunner at the time decides. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It might be too early to speculate on that anyway, because, I mean... I think Jody needs a few years under her belt, and we'll see where it goes from there. So We'll revisit that when it's close to her. <laughs> Time to leave. Yeah. Another question. Who is your least favorite companion? I'd say that mine are Dodo, Cariz, Clara, and Adric. Dodo's just kind of there. Most of her stories were lost, and her accent shifted several times a story. Cariz had some interesting ideas, but little personality, and just kind of fell into the background. I don't hate Clara, but I think she stayed on a bit too long. Her performances aren't as good as they could have been. See her role as Bonnie in the Zygon two-parter. And Adric was just kind of annoying. He wasn't terrible, but he didn't stand out as great. Uh, We actually sort of quasi-talked about this on this week's uh, Tartar Sauce, which I think comes out uh, this week on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, And uh, it was more of uh, companions, forgettable companions is kind of where we went with our topic. But um, I think that that kind of will touch on that. So you might check that out. I think we're all kind of 
we don't necessarily have companions we dislike. There right. are some we prefer over others. Yeah, but I would agree. Anyone that travels with the doctor, we're okay in our book. Although when you get around to the um, introduction of Adric, we, I, I in particular will be pretty harsh. I've, I've mellowed some since then, but um, yeah, that, that, that first one You always rough. do that after you meet the actors. I do. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> well, it's hard to be mad at him at that point, right, you know. Right. Putting, putting an actual face to him is like, oh, okay. Heaven sent, hell bent. I'm wondering how long it'll be before Big Finish creates a Clara and a Shielder traveling in the Vortex in the Diner series. Thoughts, or have you already covered this? Nah, I don't think that'll happen. I think that idea would have died with Moffat. Well, Moffat didn't die, but died <laughs> with him leaving the show. I think both actresses are a bit too big and too busy. Yeah. I'm sure if Big Finish thinks they can make money off of it, they will do it. And uh, I, I just hope it doesn't happen because I, I, I just kind of, it's fine where it is. They're off there exploring. I don't need those stories. So Anyway, I've made it through six more episodes this week. I've managed to keep my comments brief and hopefully spoiler-free. Looking forward to continuing on as you have a delightful podcast. Looking forward to the next round of Big Finish, so I'm very interested in your comments on those. Keep up the great work. Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Oh, and Higgs Boson. Boson. Higgs Boson. Boson. It's been a while. <laughs> we haven't talked about Higgs Boson in a while. Well, it's kind of appropriate that the God particle comes up in our feedback considering what we're reviewing this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. That's true. All right. Well, should we move on to what we're reviewing this week? Was that for a segue. <laughs> Doctor Who and the Cricket Men. Intergalactic War? That's just not cricket, or is it? The Doctor promises Romana the end of the universe, so she's less than impressed when what she gets is a cricket match. But then the award ceremony is interrupted by 11 figures in white uniforms and peaked skull helmets, wielding bat-shaped weapons that fire lethal bolts of light into the screaming crowd. The cricket men are back. From Earth to Gallifrey, from Besleman to Devlin, from Cricket to Marviv to, to, to the far edge of the infinity, the Doctor and Romana are, in a tug, are tugged into a pan-galactic conga with fates as they rush to stop the cricket men from gaining all five pieces of a key. If they fail, the entire cosmos faces a fire retribution that will leave nothing but ashes. Eh, it's okay. Go ahead and start, because <laughs> my review is going to be kind of all over the place. So. <laughs> uh, well, much like the book. Um, <laughs> there, there are parts of this that I absolutely loved. Um, the, the, the fourth doctor and Romana's interplay, their relationship, uh, status and how they kind of bounced off of one another and how that was described and related, I thought was really spot on and quite charming and, um, and just, just, just very, um, nostalgic and sentimental and, and fun. And I really liked that. Um, also the addition of canine, anytime Romana and canine had scenes with the doctor and canine had scenes or the three of them had scenes together. It was kind of the same thing. It was just like, that was very, you know, this is what they're like when the cameras aren't rolling. So, okay. <laughs> That's all great. The um, story itself, it took me a little bit to kind of fall back in because as I, you know, this is, I guess, lifted is not quite right because technically this one came first. <laughs> But it's um, the third Hitchhiker's book, like yeah, the universe it, and everything. This this became the third Hitchhiker's book. 
And so as we're well, reading, elements of it, and there's this supercomputer in orbit, and I'm kind of going, man, this sounds familiar. Why does this sound familiar? I know I haven't read this yet, but I had just in a different form. So then kind of getting over that hump of realizing, oh, that's why. It's because it's Douglas doing, you know, what Douglas does. Where he's <laughs> plagiarizing himself in a way. Um, but it's not. <laughs> but it's not. And then... It's you know, not Douglas Adams, I think, is the problem. Getting out of that and into... I think it's more of because the story didn't go anywhere. He could use it easily and make it a bit more... That's absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Sean. Go no, ahead. no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, getting, getting over the hump of it being life, the universe, and everything, but then getting into the actual story part of it where it suddenly becomes Keys... Keys of Marinus. We're going to go hunt for five pieces of a key. Oh, I've read that too. <laughs> Darn. I was really hoping for something else. And um, it just goes to show that whether you do it as a first Doctor story or as a zany Douglas Adams-ish fourth Doctor story, I don't like that story. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not a big fan you of You don't like a key hunt. I don't like key hunt, but I, I like key to time, but I, I, I don't like this one. So... Um, yeah, it just it was it, it that dragged for me a lot. I will freely admit that um, there's something about the spelling of the cricket men with the K and the double T's and the I kept wanting to pronounce it like cricket, like wanted to throw an extra syllable or something in there. And it Two was K's back to back. Yeah, it was not until probably well into halfway through the book when they were describing yet another bit of cricket lore that my brain finally made that connection. (laughs) (laughs) And despite how obvious it is at the beginning, I mean, they show up in the white uniforms, they've got bats, they throw balls, it's explode. And they they show show up at a cricket match. They show up at a cricket match in a white tent pavilion, you know. I mean, it's it's totally there. And The keys they're searching for are bits and pieces of cricket stuff. Yeah. Just sailed right over my head. <laughs> and uh, then it was kind of like, oh, I get it. <laughs> um, and I don't think that enamored me to the story either. <laughs> when you make your reader feel dumb, it's kind of like, oh. <laughs> well, I, I picked up on that pretty early I, on. Oh, yeah, it's totally on me. <laughs> Well, I, 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 I chalked it. I, I, I would be embarrassed if I hadn't figured that out. But I, then I kind of chalked it up to, well, maybe because I have read Life, the Universe and everything. And it's blatantly obvious <laughs> from that that it's a play on cricket and cricket men. And so I, I just when you said that, I thought maybe I was just taking too much to grant it because I just remember. But then, then now knowing that you have also read Life, the Universe, and everything, <laughs> and still didn't put the two said, it was It was in high school, so, you know, it's been a while. Oh, okay. But, All right. Yeah, no. Just but now uh, you're even probably more familiar with British culture yeah. than you were in high school. I still so don't you, understand cricket, but... <laughs> well, no, but you think you would have then at least gotten that, I mean... Look at all the Fifth Doctor stuff. <laughs> Reading any sporting event in a book is, is, is yeah, it's Quidditch. I don't, yeah, I blah, 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 ball, blah, 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 hoop, blah, 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 sport. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it just kind of sails over my head, literally, and I don't get it. Keith, what do you think? Overall, I like the story for the most part. My problem with the book, it felt too Douglas Adams and not enough Doctor Who. 
it's my my issues fall more down on the adaptation and the novelization of the story. I feel like the basic ideas that Douglas had for that treatment would have been a, a good Doctor Who story, but James took it to be a Douglas Adams story instead of a Doctor Who story. It just happened to feature the Doctor and Romana and Canine in it and Gallifrey. Um, and I didn't like that about it because if I want the Douglas Adams story, I'll go read Life, the Universe, and everything. <laughs> Give me a Doctor Who version of this story. And I felt like he really missed the mark on that. And some of it felt like he was doing it, oh, I'll write Douglas Adams esque also to pad out the story and make it longer so it can be a lot bigger novel that being said a lot of the story I, I enjoyed uh the actual key hunts i found a little tedious mostly it was the you know we got to sit down establish an entire world that's ridiculous and then we're only there for one chapter and then we're gone <laughs> because and I, I like the fact that the Dr. Romano really only succeeded in getting one piece of the key. That part of it I really liked. But the rest of it of the, okay, now we're next, next planet, new civilization. We got to explain the entire history of this planet. It just felt so And about tedious. the fourth time, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what quirky planet are we going to land on now? Well, and it's almost like Goss decides that he's going to write some interesting characters and then doesn't flesh those characters out. Right. Um, yeah, and at, at the at the um, sake of humor, it's at the sake of writing in the style of Douglas Adams, yes. and that's ultimately what happens. So when you meet these people, you get the very witty humor that that Douglas Adams so masterfully wrote, but it doesn't lend any substance to the story. And where mm-hmm. that works in Hitchhiker's book. It doesn't work in Doctor Who because, as you said, right. it, it takes you out of Doctor Who when you start yeah. to do that. The very beginning when the Cricketmen show up and then they go to Gallifrey and walk through the Matrix to see the history of things, I loved. Yeah. I thought that yeah. was fantastic. Once we got through the key hunt and go to where the Cricketmen wind up escaping and the, t- and the slow time envelope disappeared, from there on, I thought the book really picked up and I enjoyed the process and the storytelling a bit more until the two guys show up at the end. <laughs> trying to sell their religion, trying to rebrand their religion, which felt so shoehorned in at the very last minute to either pad or to add more Douglas Adamsy stuff to it. When there was plenty, the the Cricketman robot that has been reprogrammed and is a father, that's plenty of Douglas Adamsy esque stuff for me that I didn't need these two random dudes to show up and help rebrand the society. The very first scene, I laughed. And I laughed out loud, and it reminded me very much of Yanto getting an insurance call. Right. In the middle of yeah. it. I thought, oh, okay, that's very funny. And then they were in every subsequent scene that took place. And I was like, oh, now it's just way too much, and it's padding. I mean, it just feels like padding. No. And what you said, Glenn, you're absolutely right, is that just the, this, for, for the sake of the humor, I mean, well, Douglas casts a big shadow anyway. And so that's a daunting challenge to try and put something out that is you know kind of written in his voice and adhere to which his I style. thought James did a good job in City of Death and and Shada James didn't or no no he did Gareth uh, Gareth Gareth, did, Gareth wrote Shada did, he did Shada I thought James did City of Death I think you're right James did good here's here's the difference though and and this is exactly what it is is Shada to an extent had some Douglas Adamsism to it um. The influence is the fact that it comes from a story that's that's written by him. 
the same thing from City of Death is is they are Doctor Who stories that have been adapted as novels. They had final scripts. This is a novel that is retroactively adapted to be a Doctor Who ship. Now, yes, arguably, Doctor Who and the Cricket Man came first. All of the notes were there five years prior to Life, the Universe, and everything. But I think, unfortunately, Goss got in, fell into the trap of um, back-converting it because had this become a Doctor Who story on television, had Robert Holmes actually accepted this script, and there's pro- it probably was too far out there for him to, and that's why he rejected it. But had he had he accepted this script, it would have felt much more like City of Death or Pirate Planet, or it, it would have had Douglas it Adams it into undertones a story. of humor with a Doctor Who feel. And then if that had been adapted, we would have got something much more in line with Shada and City of Death. What we've done here is we, I've been thinking about this all week. A quote came to my mind from Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park, where he says, your scientists were so preoccupied whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think whether they should. And I think that applies tremendously here. Because mm-hmm. while I was very excited, because when... Um, if you read the appendices, when uh, Goss went to write City of Death, he got permission to go into Douglas Adams' uh, library and get notes that he that they, they were preserving in, in his estate. And he stumbled across this. And it wasn't until one of the, uh, when he was adapting City of Death, uh, one of the publishers or one of the people at the publishing company joked and said hey did you happen to find anything else and Goss says well actually I did you know and so that's where that kind of came from and I think then this book Joss uh, Joss uh, Goss just really channels Douglas Adams I think he's very good at it he does yeah I and, would agree and it's easy to channel Douglas Adams when you're writing something that Douglas Adams already wrote and by that I mean there are big chunks of this book that really is life, the universe, and everything. The beginning, very heavily, is the resource material that ended up in that book. And the end is very much the resource material that ended that book. And then Hector and the concepts within are also very much what ended up in that book. The things that aren't in that book are the things that, that, that um, James Goss so tried to weave into the story and and gave uh, by putting the Doctor Romana in it. For one thing, this originally, um, from the understanding of the appendices, was this originally started as a Sarah Jane in the Doctor adventure, which if you look to Romana being easily possessed, and there's a comment in there about mm-hmm. that, you could easily see that it could have easily been subst- substituted and been even more uh, meta-humorous that Sarah Jane got <laughs> possessed again you know right. so i thought that 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 was that was funny coming from that perspective of if this had been sarah jane this would have been even funnier or more coincidental um and then a later treatment that he found just had a a, a character named jane and that is presumed to be the treatment that was shopped to paramount paramount in the united states because after the uh robert holmes turned it down for a bbc doctor who script he shopped the idea to Paramount that ended up in the U.S. to make a feature-length film that ended up not going anywhere. And they never really disclosed why that happened, but it never ended up going anywhere. And so that treatment, I think, even fleshed out more of the details that uh, uh, Goss is able to put into the book 
and maybe sidestep some of the stuff that ended up in um, the uh, uh, life, the universe and everything. My, my biggest problem was I had this eternal struggle of the joy of reading somebody that is essentially channeling the works of Douglas Adams and re-enjoying that, but then being entirely frustrated that much of this story I already know. Much of this story is framed in the same way. And that felt like to me, even though it's not, it felt like a cheat for James Goss because this was written by Douglas Adams. And it's like you took, you know, square pegs and tried to fit them into round holes. And that that's where I kept feeling. I think that the, 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 the Goss captures the, the tone of the doctor. All of Romana is him. I think that the relationship I think the clever banter, the the um, the interchange between the two is all James Goss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Douglas Adams would have had nothing of that in his original oh, treatment. Yeah. And so I think he learned that level. He's obviously fan enough. And, and obviously writing City of Death, he already had that kind of the, the, their voices in his head. He does that really well. And I think he, he melds those characters really well. I think he gives K-9... Um, great moments. I think he gives canine good things to do with this story. And I think that that works for it as well. But overall, trying to squish it around, I think the Douglas Adams things was my problem because as I alluded to earlier, had this been a Doctor Who story that made it to television and then novelized, it would have been a, it, to me, I could have fit it in the Doctor Who universe as I can fit City of Death, as I can fit um, uh, Shada, and as I can fit um pirate planet into the universe because it is subtle enough undertone of adam's humor to still make it work as a doctor story but here it's been taken to a greater level and i in i thoroughly enjoyed the book and i thoroughly kept thinking this is not doctor who and that's the problem um ultimately i i when i got done and i closed the book i kind of felt like you know i would have had as much fun though going back and having read reread because I, I read it, uh, Life, the Universe, and everything, and probably more recent than you because I didn't discover Adams until I was after co- out, of, out of college, probably in the late 90s or so. Um, so I had read it recently enough and, and remembered, I mean, even at the very end when the doctor is going to bowl the, the ball and he, uh, that, that plays out exactly how Arthur's doing it to a point. In fact, to the point that I thought he was going to trip miss the ground and start to fly. <laughs> I thought that's what where they were going because that that's that that's was right. a running joke with with hitchhikers and this is the first, you know, that he success well, it's it's a running joke in the book and that's this is the moment where he actually does that. He misses the ground and he's <laughs> able to fly. And so I mean somewhat. And then so I really thought they was going with there with the doctor because it was so in step with that, mm-hmm. that what happened. And so I I got to that point and thought no, I don't want that to happen because now you've really taken it to an absurdity. And luckily he doesn't, but he still keeps the the context of what happens there. Right. Um, and yeah, Hector, I mean, it, it, it's it's almost uh, beat for beat the same as Life, the Universe and everything. It's 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 the society, it's Hector's built in order to create the supernova bomb. And it just, there was way too much of that trappings that I, I, I got done. And I again, I just, I'm, I have this, internal struggle with it because i'm in, i enjoy reading it but then i put it in the sense that you know this is just this is material i already know right uh, overall the bulk of this story i already know and so it it's almost like when you take 
Pride and Prejudice, and you had zombies. <laughs> I mean, that's really what this felt like. Is while you might have had fun watching that film, way back in the back of your mind, it's not gelling. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's it, it's a fun it film. Work. It's it, but it really doesn't work. And so I think for for that reason, I think that I'm glad I read it. But it's almost to me, and you know how I love to make everything fit. It's almost Elseworlds for me. It's not really in the realm of Doctor Who, just because it just does yeah. not work. As I can a, see as that. Uh, unlike Shada, which does have bits and pieces of um, uh, Detective Agency. Yeah. They're Dirk Gentry. Dirk Dirk, Dirk Gently. Dirk Gently. Um, they are common enough that it's okay. That's yes. where that comes yes. from. But it's not the beat for beat scene for scene right i mean it's, it's they're, they're almost neighboring there's shades of ideas yeah yeah and, and and so you could buy maybe that it's a parallel mm-hmm. universe where the, the, the situations are similar or that perhaps it is the same professor chronotis and you know right. there, there's different things that you can work to make those two fit together mm-hmm. and i'm very happy with that i cannot make these two fit together but I'm not sure that I want to. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, there, there are moments in Pirate Planet, as much as I love that story, that are just a little too Hitchhikers for me. And I, I, the, the, the Hitchhiker's Guide is, it's a wonderful universe, and I kind of like it to be over there. Yeah, it, I agree. it can be its own universe. I, 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 I kind of like Doctor Who to be its own thing. And so I think if, if because of that shadow that, that Douglas casts, so much of this was already done... I, I think they would have been better off maybe even to back off of some of it and give us a little bit more. I was thoroughly convinced that there was a subplot going on where they, they kind of gave us this whole thing about the Cardinal who disappeared and his war TARDIS disappeared. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, the war TARDIS is involved in some way, shape, or form. Which it is at the end. And then Romana gets brainwashed. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that's how, that's what they're going to do is we're going to get to the end of this thing and reveal that the Cardinal faked his death and is using the war yes. TARDIS. And I was all excited. And yes. then we never really and, went there. And I would have, I would have liked that. I think that was my other issue with this is I felt like the war TARDIS was a little too sentient. I think we, yeah. we've established that the TARDISes are sentient to a point um this one seemed to be a little too much even more so than than, than the interest concept that that gaming came up with right and so because it's still the machine here it's yeah. not a consciousness put into a body right right exactly so it it took me that took me out of the story and while i appreciated that he took because life in the universe and, and everything really everything's on hectar but in this he sort of put hectar in a a puppeteer situation you know he didn't make hector be as omnipotent as as he probably perhaps was in in the in the book and i say he as though a computer has <laughs> a gender but um but so in putting the war tardis in there it just it was like the general's wild horse not wild horses war horses suddenly gained a consciousness and, and decided that the generals weren't doing what they're weren't allowing them to do what they needed to do. And so yeah. I just, that, that, that bugged me about it. So th- as far as the story goes, all of the outside structure things aside, that was the thing that bothered me the most from a story perspective. Yeah. I just, I just wish we'd have gotten, you know, okay. So Hector is not the one pulling the strings and the doctor goes, I want to, I want to meet the, 
you know, I'm done with the organ grinder. I want to meet the monkey. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool. And so we go into the, and then. Have the Cardinal come out. Why? Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't, it was this. Okay. So that's not it. And then he, he leaves that. And so, I, did, I did get a chuckle though out of the Black Guardians cameo. I totally got a chuckle out of that. Yeah, with this bird on his head. Uh-huh. Um, but then he he leaves and he, he's muttering to himself about I was supposed to meet three gods, and I I kind of I still I'm holding on there waiting for it to be revealed that the Grand Master of this plan is in fact the Time Lords yep. that they're the ones that are behind it all, at least some fraction of them or something. Because wouldn't that be the ultimate kick in the teeth? And yet, not surprising at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it just... And nope, some, we're not going to go there at all. Sometimes you're appreciative of, of, a, of a writer setting up spoilery things that don't end up coming to sure. fruition. Sure, yeah. No, I mean, I and, don't mind a feint. Pulling that but... twist and... Yeah, faint. A faint. Is a, that's a, a, an exact perfect metaphor for it. But... Yeah, this one just... I guess if they hadn't gone to the War TARDIS and been, that, to me, the absurdity of that, I think maybe it would have worked better because I was the same way. I thought the Cardinal, I thought the Time Lords were in it. I thought maybe the, the Celestial Intervention Agencies were going to show up. At some point, I the thought... The Cardinal is a uh, part of the CIA. Yeah, and, when yeah. we get... To, and there, I think there were a lot of missed opportunities because when we... When we when uh, Romana visits Barusa, uh, I think you could have done some clever sh- foreshadow, foreshadowing to... Uh, the five doctors because this is at a point after deadly assassin so right. you could have done some foreshadowing of of, of Bruce, so maybe because we know what happens so yeah. it's not like you're spoiling anything even yeah. though this story takes place before there could have been some clever foreshadowing there there was another point where i thought there could have been some clever foreshadowing in which the the war tardis i think it could have been alluded to that the war tardises would eventually get their day in a battle yeah. with the Daleks in the, right. in the Great yeah. Time War, so I think that I thought that's he, I thought he was trying to tie it in there, I but did never too. saw the connection. Yeah. And it, to me, that was a missed opportunity yeah. because all it would have needed was a dropped, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, mm-hmm. and that would have that would have been cool. But he he drops that as well, and I, maybe that's him trying to stay faithful to Douglas's original notes and 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 things like that. But if you're going to inject the Romana into this and have that relationship work on the level that it works, I think you could inject other things in there to put your own little stamp on. Isn't it. there an illusion where he makes the of Romana being president? Isn't there a little yeah, foreshadowing? Yeah, that, that, there was a foreshadowing. So there. He her saying that she something. could, she says uh, because she never, because she, she never, she couldn't understand why the doctor. Would even she would never want to be president, right? Of yes. So he does yeah. get a dig in there. Yeah. So it's one of those things of okay, if you're going to be true to something, be true to the the show you're writing the book for, right, not right. the original treatment. I think because I, I think there's a fine line to be walked, and because, he could have done it because it's and obviously still, he did it with other stuff in the right, story because it still acts as an homage, a heavy homage oh, to yes. Douglas Adams and and what could have been, but he still should have. I mean, he didn't ghostwrite this. If he had ghostwrited it, wrote it, then yeah, I, I can see him maybe feeling like he'd be stepping on the toes of Douglas Adams. But he didn't ghostwrite it. His name's on the front of the book. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's right. it's be him obviously using a treatment before and 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 adapting it. And when when they did Shara and City of Death, weren't there 
uh, subtle allusions to the future in that too of stories that there's no way that you know it might have been it's been a long it's been time a while I, I think in shot at the very least if not city of death also that there were kind of I can see it. And nudge, yeah. nudges towards and, and maybe future stories that weren't obviously a part of the original I was about to say I could see that more with uh Gareth Roberts um adaptation but I don't know Kind of like how they did, RTD added to the novel Rose novelization yeah, to right, imply right. future events that obviously when he originally wrote the script had no idea what was going to happen. Right, absolutely. I think what's interesting is that all of these bits, all these missed opportunities that we're lamenting, they're all Doctor Who. They're right. all very much in that, you know, and, and that's what we wanted is we wanted, I mean, it's, Doctor, Doctor Who, Who and, and the Cricket Men. So we, we've already established that this is now in this universe and not in the Arthur Dent universe. universe. So let's go ahead. If you're going to put Doctor Who above the title of the thing, let's make it a Doctor Who story. Yeah. And to not ingest those bits and bobs and pieces that you know that, that could have been, even if it was just the the illusions of that even if it had been the war tardises being sentient and and deciding that the generals weren't doing it and going off on their own even that would have been more doctor whoey than what we got than with the, and i'd have been okay with that i just i just wanted more who in my who story and um so i think that's where I, it, it really felt the most let down it's not that it wasn't enjoyable no it was and, and and kudos to goss for finding Adam's voice. I mean, he's, it's oh, there. Yeah. He totally it's, captures it, it. Again, that's, that was the joy of reading this was feeling like I was sitting down reading a Douglas Adams hitchhiker guide. Uh, even uh, Dirk Gently. I mean, anything in the, in the universes that he created, this felt like that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The problem absolutely. is it also had Dr. Who in it. So it didn't <laughs> feel like that. So I think that's the problem. Yeah. yeah it just, uh, just a couple of missed opportunities and wasn't quite, wasn't quite what it could have been. I think, I'm glad That's for sure. I'm glad for sure that they attempted it though, because I, I'd rather them put something out there and try it and me not like it. Although I'm not saying I didn't like it because I did, but I'd rather see them put something out there than than waste that. I mean, especially when we're dealing with a limited amount of classic material now that we've got most everything out on DVD. Right. Um, the shot of you know animation now having added and 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 <laughs> added to that whole. You know, yeah. mythos of seventeen of different story. versions of Shada. <laughs> right, we have. Um, I, but I'm glad they're they're trying things like this, especially yeah. since uh, Douglas Adams was such a. I mean, he had a short stint. He really had a short stint on Doctor Who. Oh, he didn't. Yeah. He wasn't there long. And but there's such a a love and admiration for the man, and he was taken to us way too soon. So I appreciate the fact that they're trying to do things like this, and 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 especially tie him in with Doctor Who more so than even probably at the time deserved <laughs> uh, yeah. because he's so beloved. So you kind of have to wonder how much of it is just, we're going to claim him, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's ours. You can't have him. Right. Right. Cool. Well, anything else we need to uh, talk about this story? I don't think so. I don't think so. All right, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, um, we had our slight revision this week. Obviously, uh, if you were tuning in for the Magic Mouse Trap, that was last week, and uh, Cricketman was this week. If you tuned in last week expecting Cricketman, you just got it. So there's that. <laughs> um, we should be back on track next week um, in uh, episode 424 with our discussion of the evolution of the console room. 
So we're going to talk desktop themes and all the different uh, tardises, that, uh, the looks and the trappings and the Glenn's so excited. No, I love that. I love the concept. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm cringing for you said tardises. Tardises. <laughs> What's the plural of tardis? Tardises. Tardises. It's been said in the show many times. Oh, tardises. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless you're reading the uh, the War Games uh, novelization, in which case it's tardises, <laughs> <laughs> which is where I got it from. Um, and then uh, the following. Terrence sticks doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why would he know? Uncle Terrence. Yeah, why would he you know? know. <laughs> Did we decide what we were doing the following week or not? Yeah, we're going to do a quick Planet Comic Con recap. That's right. We're going to have Planet Comic Con that week. So we'll be doing a quick recap on that and telling you about all of our crazy adventures at uh, the biggest con in our region. That'll be a short show, so Jameson will have a, even more of an advanced chance to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll knock a little bit more than normal feedback out from Jameson. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And then uh, beginning in April, we are taking a look at uh, Big Finish Short Trip number 9, 9.1, or season 9, first episode. Uh, the Revisionist, written by a friend of the show, Andy Franken-Mallum. Keeper of the Lethbridge Street Frame, who also dropped by for an interview, kind of an update on the uh, the Brigverse and yeah. where things are at with Candy Jar. We look We're forward to having him back, have on, the him back on the show. It's been too long. Yes. And then uh, another book review, as we will be taking a look finally at Lethbridge Stewart, The Laughing Gnome, Fear of Web, the week after that. Fear so, of Web? Fear of Web. I know yep. it's Fear of the Web. Nope, Fear of Web. Ah. It has tripped me up it's, every time I've looked at it. It's <laughs> even more clever that it's backwards, Web of Fear, Fear of Web. But I swear it says fear of the web in there, but it does not. I'll be darned. <laughs> very good. Well, the, if you're already supporting us on Patreon, we appreciate that very much. And if you aren't, consider doing so. Every bit of your help goes back into this show. You can find a link on our website. Anything else we need to discuss in this? Candy Jar has it as fear of the web. That's what I thought. Really? Yeah. They must have changed it then, because I got this off the Candy Jar website. I'm on the Candy Jar website, and it's the cover has the in it. Tomorrow they, they, we're going to get a Facebook message from Andy that says, nope, it's always been fear of the web. All right. <laughs> I, I, I swear to you, I got this off the Candy Jar website before that cover was issued, admittedly. But that's how, that's how long this has been percolating on the schedule, and it was fear of web. And I if, thought it was odd, but I was like, okay. If that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.